Hello and welcome to Off the Record. Uh, thank you for joining us. We've been getting some new listeners lately, a bunch of questions. Everything's been wonderful. Jesse's been listening to Pitbull. I've been listening to Bajork, and we're all happy on the. Did you really the... listen to Bajork? No. I knew you didn't. Uh, Joe Mara from the early November played me some recently, and they were. Ju- it was just sounds. Like, it was some of her records that she made to kind of like annoy the public, I've been told. Those records. Mm, I don't know if that's really what she did, but I think yeah, that's the, some, the ones so, that didn't hit. Of, how about, how about the ones that didn't hit? Music nerds would say that. Right, and I was just like, these just are sounds, and um, I'll pass. <laughs> I'm good, B, thank uh, you. Off the Record, this is a podcast. You can go to offtherecord.fm to check up on us. We have show notes. I post pictures of Jesse there. He doesn't know. That's not really? actually true. I was like, wow, I look at that thing a lot. Hi, that must have slipped by me. Yeah, it's just for, yeah, it's it's IP block, so you can't see it. Oh, um, very nice. Yeah, yeah very technological. Mm-hmm. Um and we have some follow-up today, mostly that I unfortunately had to had to leave New Jersey early this weekend because of a possible snowstorm. And um, while my parents did listen to our last episode, Jesse, my, my dad sent me a very confusing text message because when he texts, it's off. It's often not English. Um, Is but, he one of those people who texts by speaking into the phone and then correcting the words that are wrong? No, he has no idea how to do that. Oh, those no, people drive no me crazy. Idea. What I, I should teach my dad not to like, not to use Siri to make it into text, but to just use the um, like the audio snippets that they added in with mm-hmm. iOS 8. I should mm-hmm. teach him how to do that. But I also fear that that's too that's too complicated. Uh, but so he sent me a few texts, and I was like, "What are you talking about?" And he's like, and then I realized he's like, "You never." recorded me pronouncing Bajork. Mm. Um, so I'm just going to put some money down since I won my Super Bowl bet with him and, and say that he probably can't pronounce it right. But did you watch the Super Bowl, Jesse? I'm, I'm, I know you love sports. No, you see, that's my night where I can get into all the restaurants that I can never get into really easily. I went to one of my favorite restaurants and I was literally the only person I was there was me and my date. And then one of my favorite singers of all time. You missed Missy Elliott. I, I mean, I didn't because I rewatched that because I love Missy Elliott and Katy Perry. And then I also watched the snippet of Transit getting played since the whole world tweeted at me when that happened. I mean, that was like the biggest moment of the Super Bowl besides that the team I wanted to win won. So. Oh, I, I, I didn't know who was playing till the day before. So. Of course. I mean, why you would know. you? But sports, not my thing. Yes. Moving on into non-sports follow-up. Yeah. So let's talk about another thing, though. While you've been winning some bets, (laughs) I think it's time for you to make an apology to Barack Obama there, buddy. Me? Yeah. You called him a lame duck. So um, today we're we're taping this episode on um, the 4th of February. I should say, I should have said this at the top of the episode, off the record is officially moving from Wednesday to Thursday. There are specific reasons behind that that we'll get into, hopefully within a few weeks from now. All good stuff, but um, sorry for delaying you. We deeply miss you Wednesday. We'll be here Thursdays from now on. Anyway, uh, on Wednesday, the fourth news came out from um, the FCC's Tom Wheeler. Actually, this came out on Monday, and I tweeted it at you. It just took everybody else time to catch on because I'm so hip. I mean, just like the Williamsburgite I am, I know everything beforehand. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, Tom Wheeler from the FCC is taking a strong, how would we say this? He's providing strong protections for net neutrality, which um, is good. That's that's not a bad thing. That's a very good thing. Put this in plain speak for if you're confused by this. We've talked about net neutrality a lot. Basically, the thing that we were advocating for that we were like, listen to this, John Oliver, you want net neutrality. The people who are arguing against net neutrality are disgusting people like Ted Cruz and all these Republicans. We won. And you know why we won? Because Obama pushed for it. So I want a sincere, for real, thanks Obama hashtag. And Zach, I want the apologize to Barack. Or did he listen to Off the Record and he was like, (laughs) I'm not going to be a lame duck. That wouldn't be the definition of a duck. Still, you're still getting that definition wrong. Okay. Well, you didn't learn. You didn't learn anything from my lecture last time. To sum this up a little more, um, why I, why I said such a thing about our president was because he released this scathing thing against Congress, pushing for net neutrality, which was great. But but my opinion, and Jesse, correct me if I'm lying about myself, was essentially like too little, too late, buddy. You should have done this when your opinion mattered. Yes, right? that's that, that's essentially what you said, and. Um, Ah, jeez, this feels so good, but... Hey, this is good for me. Like, I'm not bummed. I'm just saying, I think you owe Barack an apology. Jesse, do you want my dad to still be my dad? I want a sincere, not hashtag thanks, Obama. I want a a real, I want a real thanks, Obama, not a hashtag thanks, I just don't know if I'll be removed from my family. Like, don't you, (laughs) don't you care? I, I mean, I, I think you got to keep it real, dog. You were you were wrong, and like this is the thing is is like you gotta you gotta give a man credit where it's due. I mean, everybody criticized him when gas was high. Now gas is low. Where's the credit? Thanks, Obama. We got some FCC regulations. Yo, thanks, Obama. I'm seeing future flashbacks next Sunday of my parents driving to New York and there being a car accident. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to say something serious since you're not going to really apologize. I'll apologize. I was wrong. I'm incredibly happy that this is a thing. This is really great news. I felt very skeptic about Tom Wheeler. It seems like he's trying to save himself, and I'm all about it. Okay, but where's the I apologize, President Barack Obama. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, Jesse says says dog a lot, so I'll say thank you, President Dog, for this. (laughs) This is great news. I want my internet to stay safe so I can hear Jesse call you dog in the future once you're not president anymore. (laughs) So so you know what? I want to say something, though, about him not being president anymore. Is this is why it's important that we vote for people who are pro-net neutrality in this. And I'm just going to say this. I've written this every presidential election. If you're not that into politics and you don't know who to vote for, I think net neutrality is the single most important thing you can vote for if you just love music. And if you're going to walk into that voting booth and you feel the responsibility to vote for somebody, even though you don't care that much, whoever may be our out of the 28 people who are already running for president, um, whoever it may be, when it gets to the final two, research where they stand on net neutrality. It'll take you two seconds to do your Googles and vote for that person because this is really important. This could change with who's the next president. So it's important that we also don't have the um, big uh, celebration party because this is going to be a fight for a lot of years to come. They're going to try to reverse this as much as possible. Yeah, this is really good news. I'm excited to follow it. It, it was looking very dreary for a while, and, and I'm glad it's not, frankly. <laughs> It was yeah. getting a little upsetting. I was scared. 
Yeah, me too. Um, so that's great. Jesse and I, that means we'll be able to podcast for you guys forever and ever, and you guys are just going to have to deal with that. <laughs> so you have some more follow-up on the most beaten down subject into the ground of all time. I was at a show last night, and I wore my Blink-182 hoodie to show support for oh, the cause. And my God. I, I at least, like, maybe 10 people were like, sorry, man. And then this this one guy who I don't like I didn't know him I don't think he knew who I was which just saw my hoodie and was like man you still bummed like out of out of consolidate uh, or commissary rather and I was like yeah man honestly it just you know you it just hurts mostly in your heart right and he, he turned to his girlfriend and his girlfriend rolled her eyes but the dude was like yeah that is where it hurts and that uh, was great. Uh, anyway, regarding Blink One Eight Two, I just wanted to say we did the we did we taped our episode as the uh, as the damage was getting done, and uh, I spoke with Evan on my other podcast, Simpler Sound, for like an hour and a half on Blink One Eight Two. So if you have any more interest on my thoughts on that before Jesse makes more fun of me, you I, can go I, I to the show say, notes. I, you know, I, I've been enjoying your other podcast, but uh, I had to bow out after a little while of you two going on because man, that, that that was a lot of. Well, I, I had a lot of feelings, man. It's a lot of hand-wringing, dog. Wow. I'm just saying. It's just the band. I, I, whatever. Whatever. Okay. I mean, move it on. Move it okay. on. So something else came out of last week's episode, which is we got a letter from someone named Brody. I should probably just read it so I do his words justice. Um, I, want, I should also say this before this. One of the promises I felt it was important to make when we started this podcast is that when people give us feedback that even if we don't agree with it that we really take it seriously and ponder it and um, there's been a couple times we've gotten feedback that have been critical of me and not just sex grandmother not liking how much i curse she's and, come around to you i think oh that's good that's good i i felt that in the hug at your barbecue um i think it's really important you see a lot of people who are in the spotlight not to say we're in the spotlight but who are public figures and put their opinions out into the world that when they get criticism, they don't take it seriously. And like one of the things we discussed a while back was like Ronnie Radke, how he just write, writes off and like the, all these idiots. They're just like haters. Haters going to hate. Haters going to hate. I think it's one of the most important things. And we discussed this, that like you really take your criticism. And um, we got this letter and it really like disturbed me. I took it to a lot of my best friends i really tried to discuss i took it to some people who are younger than me and tried to understand it because i think this is a difference in my generation um compared to yours and the um what is what are we 16 years apart we are i am 21 yeah I'm 93 yeah so so we're 15 years apart um i think there's that a big difference in these 15 years so to say what he said, he said, uh, turn on your latest episode today and was remiss to hear some tasteless remarks on cutting and insinuations of suicide first thing. I'm not sure whether either of you have experiences with such, but please be gentle in the ways with which you slip mental health and healing into public conversation. If humor is how you deal or make sense of such struggle, please find ways to make sure your listeners are aware of that. Otherwise, it reads as careless. If it is not, if you are just joking around, you don't get to choose when it is appropriate to speak casually about this type of thing. The act may further alienate and misrepresent those affected. Please be careful when considering doing your part to normalize cutting and self-harm by speaking lately about it. I imagine that was your intent, and again, perhaps you two were actually sharing something personal and being honest about your own mental health. I don't know, but it felt very abrupt and disrespectful. So, 
So, uh, well, one, I think there's a lot of things wrong in this, and I don't want to dwell, but yeah, I was a really suicidal kid. I've talked about this on the internet. Um, I was morbidly depressed. I've attempted suicide. I've been nowhere near that for 18 years of my life now. But the first part of my life, that was a thing every day. But I still don't think that gives me a card to be able to joke about it. I am a really left-leaning, very politically correct person, but this whole trigger warning thing and having to always do that, I I don't think that, I'm not on board with this. I think humor and making light of the fact that obviously we know you're not going to kill yourself because Blink-182 lost Tom DeLonge and... Making a joke about that, and even making, like, I thought the second joke I made was it made was kind of like a more poignant thing when I said, I know it's your generation that uh, cuts themselves, because that is a thing that I think is an interesting discussion, is that that came to light way after my youth, as that became a popular thing about five years after I grew up. Chris Rock discussed this in New York Magazine recently about how he can't play colleges anymore. Oh, really? Yeah, this is. Let me also recommend this. I'm going to put this in the thing. This Chris Rock interview is one of the greatest interviews. It's the mega long one that came out recently after the um, after some of the more after Ferguson and all that. Yes, yeah, it's one of the best interviews um, I've read in years. And um, he talks about he can't play colleges anymore because he can't really talk. I don't know if off color is the right word, but like you can't really say anything that pushes the boundaries in humor. And not to say that me making a joke about you killing yourself over Blink-182 was pushing boundaries, but I, one of the things that forced me out of my depression to take responsibility for myself was having to learn that I'm not going to be able to avoid people talking about my depression and being reminded of it and talking about suicide and being reminded. I have to get well enough to be able to function in the world with what is normal, and what is normal in this world is people making jokes and people making sometimes off-color jokes. And you, I think this is a thing in your generation that it's really become this thing that we're supposed to guard everybody from all these horrible things in the world. But I really feel like if you're going to get better and as somebody who's been better from depression for more than half of my life now after being the most depressed kid everyone knew is because I said, I'm not going to let any of this down. I'm going to get better in spite of it. And I'm going to, the world's not going to adapt to me and the world's not going to adapt to anyone. You have to adapt to the world. And I just, I really, I put a lot of thought. I really tried to consider this person's opinion, but over and over and over again, I like, I'm not on board. I think it's interesting. Like I have a lot of, I am now thinking about what you said regarding the, the Chris rock thing. He was on a recent Grantland um, BS report podcast. I think, I think that's right. I it, think you're right too. I, right? I remember I wanted to listen to it. I didn't get yeah. Around, yeah. But. Okay. So that, that must be what it is. And it was a great episode, but they talked a lot about that. And Bill Simmons from Grantland is someone that often gets in trouble for like, not saying off color things, but just saying things that people don't agree with. And, and it's easier for them to suspend him, for example, than to than to answer, you know. Um, and and I remember that what was interesting to me about the Chris Rock podcast was that uh, Simmons' like biggest fear in life is that everything will be so censored that no one can have an opinion that stands out anymore. And that's not necessarily for his benefit, but for the benefit of moving forward or for challenging thoughts or so on. 
I don't mean to relate that in the sense that I think overly poking fun at mental health or something is is pushing along thoughts or agendas, but... Oh, yeah, no, no, I agree, too. Right, but I, I do think that's a really interesting conversation, just of that, like, everything is so censored. I was listening to a new episode of um, Going Off Track, a music podcast today, and it was taped a while ago, and they just aired it now, but uh, the guest is Mike Kinsella from Owen and American Football, and they got off on a long tangent about the um, the war on drugs. Um, what was the guy that was all mixed up? Mark Koslick. Mark Koslick. Right, right. And about how, like, Mark Koslick, what's his band name? Or Sun Kill Moon. Sun Kill Moon. Like, he made, he made a joke song to music that was really mellow and sad, like his normal music was. And then everyone took it, ran with it, and destroyed him, essentially. Like, while some of the language was maybe questionable a lot of the language is not necessarily different than what gets played on a million radio stations or what's number one on the billboard charts every single week. But because that's normal versus like a folk singer, would that be what we'd call him? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like yeah. a folk indie singer making one like weird neo, remark. Neo folk is what I believe which works call <laughs> so, it. So like, you know, that him doing that, which was an off color thing for him to do. Right that like blew up his career in terms of like negative spotlight, but other genres of music do that every day and no one really calls attention to it. And it it is interesting of like, we all, we all jump and comment negatively on anything. If there's any reason to be negative about it, instead of being like, this actually isn't the end of the world for once. Um, And it was interesting. Like uh, Jesse and I talk a lot about this podcast called startup Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, Jesse, I think recommended me to listen to an episode of Alex Bloomberg from startup guesting on the Tim Ferriss podcast. Was that you or no? I don't think I actually, maybe it was, Uh, maybe it was, it might've been Jesse Richmond, but if you have it, you should see it. I mean, I listened to so much Tim Ferriss. I can't remember who I recommended it to. I I don't know if you listened yet, but he was on like an episode last week, Alex Bloomberg. And they, they talked a lot about this crisis that. Uh, Bloomberg went through recently when he they miscredited something about an advertisement and deeply yes. upset a parent and a well, child. Well, wasn't mis. I wouldn't say it was miscredit. They more used a child in an advertisement when the child thought it was going to be in con in the content of a This American Life episode. Right, and so it was a mess up. They they readily admitted they fucked up and that it was bad. To them, it was the end of the world. Like, the people at Gimlet Media and Startup, it was like their world was falling apart and it was over. And it was funny because he said, like, they were having people over the office that week and those people all responded with, you sure you're just not making a bigger deal out of this than needs to be on the internet? And it's interesting because, like, I go through that all the time. I got into a loud argument with someone this week and I stepped back from it. I was like, this won't matter in, like, two hours. But right now, it feels like it's the end and be like it's the everything. Now, when you say loud argument, did you yell at somebody? Uh, that person tried to call me a few times, and I didn't pick up because I didn't deem it worth my time. But it would have it would have been loud. It wasn't Cody Payne, right? No, come on, man. <laughs> we talk we talk through imaginary lawyers. Yeah, yeah my boy. That's, that's my title. dog. <laughs> that's my dog. <laughs> um, nice. So yeah, all, all I'm trying to say is like. It, it it just it can create an interesting conversation. Like clearly, I, I think it's safe to say that Justin and I did not mean to bring negative thoughts to anyone regarding mental health. At the same time, it was an off passing comment 
something that Jesse and myself actually have both struggled with over our youth and maybe young adulthood. And, uh, but at the same time, like, we, we don't think speaking our mind in relativity is, is, a, is a terrible thing. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I mean, I think it's just more of this is that I don't think the right thing to do is trigger warning everything to death and that every single thing needs to be hashtagged with the, these qualifiers that we have the right to say these things. Like it, we had a similar thing when I said the word retarded. And I really took this into consideration. What I came to with this was I don't care enough about saying the word retarded to not just put myself out with minimal effort and try to not say it anymore. But the funny thing is when I read the definition of retarded when I was trying to research this is it just means not acting your age. And I don't think that's the worst thing to say, but I know people don't do it. And I just kind of gave up because I'm like, is it so important for me to say retarded? It's not. I'll just avoid it. There is a big, big, big part of me that's just like, this is a tough world out there. And if you don't get a little bit of callous to it, it's going to really, it's going to make your hands really sore and you're going to be walking around and you're going to, those not developed calluses are going to hurt all the time and you got to get a callus to it. And I say that as somebody who also like, I love Louis CK and there's times like he says something and I'm a little offended and I'm like, it makes me uncomfortable, but I don't comedy and commentary are supposed to push your thoughts forward, and that sometimes means putting you in an uncomfortable place. And that's what I'd like to say about it. Okay. Shall we? Yeah. So, you ready to talk about my least favorite insufferable asshole? Wait. Are you talking about... You're not... Wait, are you making fun of the president now? No. The first subject we have is... Taylor Swift. It's been so long since we talked about her. (sighs) I hate giving her attention. We had gone a little while. Like, you should feel proud, I think. I, 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 I should. And, uh... So, last week, um, news came out that Taylor Swift had uh, trademarked the phrase, this sick beat, and some other things. Uh... You, you, you want to know what's ironic about the sick beat? It's a garage band preset, and that's how lame she is, is she thinks garage band presets are sick beats. That's how insufferably lame she is. She's laughing at you on her king-size bed made out of money. That's fine. I don't have to live her life, thank God. So what do you think about this? Besides it being Taylor Swift, like... Uh, This is the most innocuous thing in the world. This happens every day. This gets attention because it's clickbait. What bands do... So this happens a lot. I didn't know that. Okay, no, no. This is, like, basically... So let's say this. The Wonder Years... What they should be doing, um, I don't know if they have done it, is they should, let's say, and I don't know, did they ever make shirts that said I'm not sad anymore on them? Yeah, I mean, they at least made hoodies. So, yes, they, they did. Okay. So, let's say you sing a line and or, you know, you're man overboard and you make a shirt that says uh, you're so worth all this torture. Like when I, Now, if you're smart, you go and you trademark that. So what that'll basically make it so your lawsuits are really easy to deal with. Now, if you're the one year years are man overboard, you're not going to have to deal with many lawsuits. But Taylor Swift, when she plays outside a stadium, is going to have bootleggers. Now, let's say somebody massively starts bootlegging this stuff on the Internet. She could swiftly just shoot that trademark over, get things shut down, get shit. You know, it just expedites the process. Whereas with 
Man Overboard or the Wonder Years. It's not going to be as much a thing. But if you're managing a big band, this is what you're supposed to do. So while I want to hate on her, and I could discuss 60,000 ways to hate on this lame asshole. God. This is not one of them. This is not one of them. And I and you know what I'm doing right now? What? Are I'm you de- trade defending Taylor Swift? You, oh. Because that's what that's 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 what an amicable, fair human being. I found I found the episode title. <laughs> Jesse defends Taylor Swift. Yep. I mean, oh man. I mean, oh, that's man. a done deal. I'm exercising veto power. <laughs> <laughs> um, like me and Barack. Uh, um, your dog. Yeah, my dog. Um. Anyway, um. All she's doing is this. Now, I thought, and what I think when everybody passed the headline around on the internet, was that she was making it so so it was trademarked that you can't say this sick beat in a song. Right, but it's mostly protection for, like, merchandise and stuff. Yes. It's, uh, you know, clothing and ornaments and things like that. Because technically, she could not get away with trademarking that because so many people could prove that she did not start that or even popularize it. So it's just a protective measure that you think most or all artists should do if it makes sense. If you come to be known as a phrase, like if you're considered the person who popularized that phrase, you have the right to file for a trademark. You may not get it because somebody could dispute it and prove that they popularized it before you or it was so ubiquitous that it's silly. Like, so, for example, if someone tried to uh, popularize what up, dog, that's not happening. It's too ubiquitous in society. But, and I'm sure actually you could easily get her stripped of this sick beat. Party like it's 1989, I bet you she could get that trademarked because that's a lot different, even if it's derivative from the Prince party like it's 1999 thing. Ten years different, man. I wasn't even born yet. Oh, man. Yeah. I was in a band, I think, in 1989. Not me. Not me. Well, man. Shall we move on? Yes. Okay. Um, so two two things happened this week, this past in the past week since our last episode, um, both relating to streaming. Um, early this week, late last week, time is morphing together. Um, Jay Z uh, dropped some money. Jesse, I mean, apparently he's got to drop the this. He dropped one tenth of what he is worth doing this, and uh, one tenth of what he's worth equals out to fifty six million dollars. Jay Z purchased a company called Aspiro. Um, I believe they're a Swedish company um, that owns two um, streaming services. Streaming services, one called Wimp. It's it's technically really one with like a like weird offshoot. It's almost like calling a Spotify app a different service. Okay, so they regardless they have these two properties. I messed with them this week after we, I read uh-huh. this. And to be honest with you, it's pretty de- de- decently designed software. Yeah, so one is called Wimp, W all uppercase minus the I, Wimp, and the other is called Title. Um they're they're two. Tide, oh, t- we should say title like wave, not yes, like T I D A L. Um, they're one is ad free and one is like hi fi quality. Um, yeah, like audiophile streaming, right, like service. like better than Pono, basically. Pono, 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 <laughs> Pono. Um, and so Wimp, for example, boasts five hundred eighty thousand paying users. That's significant. Um, so the money is less interesting to me versus like the decision. Um, what 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 were your first thoughts about Jay Z? 
we all know Jigga's a very, very good businessman. Everybody regards his time uh, as president of Iowa Def Jam as the only time that's been good in the post-Napster era. You know, this dude, this he knows what he's doing. I mean, come on, look at that face that he got Beyonce to marry him. He's obviously really smart. My girl. And if you watch how Spotify and most of these services move, is they acquire rights in some dippy European country first, and then they move to America. And clearly that's what we're seeing happen here is he's picking this up, and it looks like he's going to come at Dre for to become the second billionaire in hip-hop. And uh, I think he's seen his move, and he's got a large game plan, and we're going to see another U.S. competitor in this uh online streaming game. I think that could be interesting. I think that it's going to be very hard for him to get any market share at this point unless he does something really, really interesting. But yeah, and uh, that, that part is happened. what's like interesting to me because at this point, like Spotify is the current champion. RDO could tip. This could like easily beat win over RDO, I guess, right? Like forget RDO, for example, for a minute. But mm-hmm. But so the uh, the current like the current conversation is around Spotify and then Beats because Beats could have a very interesting future that we'll get into shortly. But um, I don't know. I don't know how many services can can be fully in the mix, right? Like, yes, we have uh, iTunes, Amazon, and Google Play for buying music, right? But like, or well, or streaming. Well, I'm just talking. Well, I'm just yeah. talking about buying music. Consuming for music. Here. Consuming so, like, music. Yeah. Consuming music. In terms of buying, though, digitally, there's like five services, right? But only one of them is really popular, and then the other ones are all considerably less popular. And so I just wonder, like, what's the end game for Jay-Z in that in that thought? Like, is he going to buy it to hopefully sell it to Microsoft? Does he want, like, Spotify to buy it from him? I'm just I'm curious, I guess— in terms of what his plans are. I imagine you either one wants to sell it or two, what we're starting to see. And it's funny. We're, so we're talking about the startup podcast. Like a lot of what people are saying is, do you watch much Hulu? Yes. So what a lot of people are saying is like where we're going is, is that Spotify and all these services are going to become prohibitively expensive. If you don't want ads and that we're going towards like what Hulu is, Hulu is where it's going to say which ad experience do you want or really customized ads. So one of the big things is obviously these companies have analytics that are insane for something. So a perfect example is like a girl I'm dating loves watching the new girl, let's say. Me too. And Yeah. And so like you could be, let's say you're a clothing company and you're like, you know what? I know girls who love Zoe Dachanel bangs, love my clothes. You can then go and advertise on Hulu to just those users. And it's the same thing as you can sit in there with Spotify or whatever these services and say, I know people who like Waka Flocka or Wiz Khalifa uh, will want to be, have drink this new vitamin water flavor or something and purple syrup or dirty Sprite flavor, whatever. You can then target them really, really effectively. And this is targeting like we very rarely have seen and it's more effective. So I think this is a lot of people seeing the future of advertising. And that's why we see Jiga getting jiggy with this. I'm definitely super interested. Um, like it just seems it's it's like a bold move. Like that's a lot of money, you know, even even if you're super, super duper rich. Like it's it's a considerable purchase that I don't think anyone would make 
without a lot of consideration, right? And so I, I feel like, as we've been saying, Jay-Z is incredibly smart and there, he has to have a plan, you know? Um, whether that is ultimately selling it or, or making it its own empire or whatever, like they're, they're, there's clearly a plan in place and I'm, I'm excited to see what that is. They do seem like nice services though. Um, yeah, no, I, I, you know, I, I got a, uh, a friend sent me a way to peek around and it was, um, it was inspiring, especially like as I try to save the music business, um, I, I saw some things. Sure. I mean, that's our goal this year on Off the Record. I mean, s- saving the music business. And defending Taylor Swift. <laughs> I mean, hey, man, it w- you said it, not me. Moving on. So this was very exciting this week, and I, I think this yet, yet again falls under the hashtag. Now, we've, we've established that this week I was a little bit more right than you on some things, but in general, you and I are right about everything as we've come to the thing. And um, what we saw, it was leaked about how Apple is going to integrate Beats into basically into iTunes. Right, and um, so a lot of my concern and excitement has been about how they make both of these services together. iTunes is currently Apple's worst product, but it's too big of a name and a legacy to just... You, th- say, that, you say that as someone who doesn't use an Apple TV every day. No, I, I use it a lot. I, this is, Do this, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's also a piece of garbage. Those are Apple's <laughs> two worst things, I would say. But hundreds or billions of people use iTunes and only tens of millions of people use Beats. I'm sorry, use uh, Apple TV. So I'm going to rank iTunes ahead of it. But anyway, my, my like they, they could, they can't do away with iTunes, at least not right now. Um, and so they have to make Beats and iTunes work together. And my interest has been like, how are they going to do that? And if they do that, let's say it's even mildly good, will I want to use it? Um, we've talked about at nauseum about why I don't use Spotify and RDO. Like it's not the use case for me. I have all this music in my iTunes library already. I don't stream a lot, but I'd like the option to, but I, I would also like that to work with my streaming player and my normal music player at once. And it looks like Apple's going to try to make it the best of both worlds. Um, in the show notes at off the record.fm, I put into bullet points, um, everything this leaked report about Beats and iTunes has. Uh, and it's a lot of bullet points, and it's awesome, I think. And I, I'm just going to go through a few of them, and Jesse and I will talk back and forth about it. But a new search feature will be able to locate any song in the iTunes or Beats catalog. Users will be able to stream music from the catalog as well as add songs to their personal libraries. Apple will integrate Beats music playlists, activities, and mixes into the new service. Um they will be letting users merge their Beats music accounts with uh, their Apple ID profiles, which is huge um, to me. Well, I mean, that's huge for their growth. It is, but it's also you, I, it's yeah. all in one rather than having two different services. Also, mm-hmm. it looks like the pricing will be $7.99 versus most services who are at $9.99 a month. Which also is weird news because... That means still that artist compensation is not going to be very good. A hundred percent. But regardless, those are kind of the bullet points. Um, what do you think? As not necessary. So I, we can talk about it from two angles. Maybe let's like, let's put aside like the benefit of musicians for a second and talk about you as a user. Does this excite you? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I'm as as we discussed. I have all three streaming services. I have Beats, RDO and Spotify subscriptions. And, you know, 
This makes me feel like I'm going to be using Beats more. I will say this. I still barely use Spotify as anything but a research tool, and I use Beats more and more, and it's cutting into my audio percentage greatly because of when I listen to music at home, it's way easier to listen to it on Beats I th- than it yeah. is. To me, like... If you read down these bullet lists, if all these things happen and they're all not terrible, right? Like if they they work well, I don't I don't know why I would ever use a different service, um, because it's it's fully integrated with my iTunes library that has. As I'm checking this right now, you know I have ten thousand items in my iTunes library. Okay, but so here's an interesting thing. So I was having this conversation as I've been doing some saving the music business research is that a lot of my friends talk about when when they get their new computer, they barely transfer over any of the music. But that's what iTunes Match is so great for, for me at least. Sure, And I don't, I don't, that's fine if they don't. But again, like this is for me, in terms of me, I'm I'm always going to be keeping my iTunes library, right? Like, you know, it's funny too. I think that people in the scene are a little bit more nostalgic music listeners. We don't want to lose stuff because when that 10-year tour comes around. Yeah, and you know what's like funny is is uh, like my dance friends, they never go back and listen to much. So I, it is just a really weird thing of like music consumption of like, does it even matter if you have these old things saved on your hard drive? Like it's just starting to be this thing of like not nostalgia. And we even talked about how we saw a bunch of this MySpace traffic spike of that like people are kind of like saving their pictures on their MySpace and they're not even keeping them on drives anymore natively and like all my friends are talking about how they like their iPhones constantly fill up and even when you have the 128 gig you can't fill up fit all your pictures because you're taking a selfie every 20 seconds if you're in your age group and I just wonder how much like this storage thing's really going to come to be a thing even in another year or two do you do you selfie a lot Jesse I think I've taken like three selfies in my 37 years I don't selfie a lot you should be proud of me. Uh, I, you, you know, I, I, I see you retweeting pictures that you're sending selfies. I to sent a selfie yesterday, and it was it was great though. Like, this is a thing. Like when you defend Taylor Swift, it has to be in modesty. You know. Um, okay. <laughs> anyway, um, look, I'm definitely not the normal. I'm not the normal listener, right? That's okay. But for me, for my weird needs that may not matter to anyone else. I am this clientele, and I am so super excited about it. Um, and I, I hope it all pans out. I hope the leaks are real. Yeah, I hope that this is the real deal. Um, I especially hope that they did ditch the black and red theme because that is Hideo. Yeah, I can. Def- I think 100% it will be white because app- everything Apple does is white. <laughs> A lot of caucasity going there. Yes, yes. Uh, I'm excited about this, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm. Everything I read here. I, w- I was down with, except for that 799 thing. But even the 799 thing has some merit because we do have to lure people in. These streaming services are not being adopted in as fast as they should be. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that. But I think that this is everything here is exciting. I agree. Um, we have some listener questions this week, right? We do. We do. Um, so there's one super quick one, which is just um, referencing the starting or not starting your own music blog that Property Zach published, I wrote. Um, a listener asked, if I want to buy my own domain name, 
what do you recommend in going that route? When I bought proper, when I bought the domain name Property Zach, I was uh, 15, and I I went to the evilness of GoDaddy. Um, do yes. me a favor, Pure, say, Satan incarnate. Yeah, do me a favor and never never buy something from GoDaddy. Um, well, can, can I also tell a story why you never buy something from GoDaddy? Yeah, so that people actually get this. So this is a very common thing that happens on there is that what happens the second your GoDaddy site laps is that there's all these sharks that know how to watch the GoDaddy sites and they know what people are like that they buy a domain and then they're not going to use it for another year. So for example, one of my roommates bought her, um, she's a uh, esthetician and masseuse. She buys the name she wants, she registers on GoDaddy, lapses for a day. And the second it lapses for a day, then they want a couple hundred dollars for it. Then they want a thousand dollars for it over and over. And the more you don't buy it, the more the price goes up. And this is just gross. That's some gross and, suit shit, Jesse. Yeah, that, 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 that is exactly what it is. And um, GoDaddy also has put their money into really, really nasty things like anti-net neutrality, homophobic endeavors, like su- supporting Prop 9. They're in general just bad people. So do not ever, ever, ever give them their money. And if you are giving them your money, take the five minutes and switch it over to... To Hover.com. Hover is great. Um, I found out about them because Hover is a big um, podcast sponsor. So a bunch of tech podcasts I listen to, they sponsor. And I was like, man, I hate GoDaddy. And within the last few years, I've probably registered like 10 domains with them because I have a domain registering problem. Um, it creeps on you slowly and then all at yeah, once. Yeah, dude, dude, if you're at 10, I, I hope. Oh, no, I have way more than 10. Just okay. just within the last little bit. <laughs> yeah. And that adds I, I, up, I, I, you know? I was I was I was gonna say you know I like like two years ago I had to have the intervention when I realized I was like renewing domains I was paying like six hundred dollars yeah, a year it's in domain it's renewals insane. for like domains that I'm just like squatting or like funny ideas right. I have like mine are all legitimate though and it sucks oh, it's they? like it's like you know property Zach uh, simpler sound off the record POZ news um, I have po- like I have podcast just in case God forbid. Um, and then I have like, you know, Zach Zarillo, Z Zarillo, Zachary Zarillo, and so on. Bad timing, knuckle puck, you know, like, uh, there's just so many. I, see, I, see mine, mine are really funny and witty. So I have, um, thinking for people who don't think.com. And the last place I think I made it point was Glenn Beck's website. Cause you know, mm-hmm. he's thinking for people who don't actually think. But I was going to make a website where I showed all the stupid ideas that people have each day and why they're so stupid. I love that. We should do that. Let's let's quit property of Zach and uh, yeah, yeah, just just do all the stupid things that idiots post on Facebook all day. Mm. I have um, I have something like I want. It's not. I'm not going to get this exactly right, but I own something like "Don't ask me before you Google it." <laughs> and I used to. So what I did is I put on that um, a Google search that I get paid for every time somebody uses. And when my friends would annoy me with stupid questions, I would just send them the link. Because mm. I'm a nice person. Yeah, that is a nice person. <laughs> but, I mean, w- what we're saying here is that don't, don't, well, one, don't get a domain problem. But, two, if you do get a domain problem, use Hover. Hover's great. They they do most of the TLDs. Uh, and if you don't know what a TLD is, it, it's what a website ends in, .com, .net, .xyz, .tswift, et cetera. Um, and, and Hover has the majority of them. Unfortunately, Hover doesn't have .fm, 
which means I am with GoDaddy for a few things, but um, they'll get there eventually. I love Hover. They make it incredibly easy. They have like customer service 24-7. It's great. Um, I should also say this. I used to be a big one-in-one fan. Terrible. And that's where most of mine are. And they've done so... I've had to call them up and like get charges that for some reason... I'm we had, we recently released happened. like a new Real Friends music video and... Um, mm-hmm. They, they're. We had to change up a lot of their domain stuff for a new website, and and uh, it was on. I had never heard of one and one uh, actually before a few weeks ago, and I will never use them. So use them. I've, I've been using them for six years now, and uh, until recently, I never had a problem. But they really drove me up the wall, and um, I because of the same advertising, I texted you one day because you listen to more of those nerdy podcasts. I said. What's that service that they always advertise on your podcast? Yeah. And you told me, and I switched over everything to Hover. Totally. Um, cool. So we have a few more questions. And lo- some lovely people use the hashtag AskOTR uh, to submit questions. You can submit questions to us in a few ways. Go to Tumblr, um, and you can ask questions or email us. Or you can also tweet hashtag AskOTR, and we'll get those questions. So um, from at X Stephen X Burial. Damn, man. Um, is it better to have actual... It's a hard name. It's a hard name. Is it better to have actual pictures or graphic mock-ups of shirts in your online merch store? Um, my quick hit on this would be um, I actually don't like seeing T-shirts on human beings. Um, I li- Oh, really? But it sells better. It's proven with analytics. Well... You go ahead. Uh, I have a friend who runs one of the larger merch stores, and we had a very nice discussion about this at one point. And yes, if you put a tattooed person who's slender and good-looking in the T-shirt, it sells better. Are you talking about me? Your head gets any bigger, dog. Damn. (laughs) I'll get down with that sick beat. Anyway, um, yeah. Analytics prove mock-ups don't sell as well as putting some young model with cool tats in a t-shirt. That sells better for your scene shirt. Maybe you skip the tats if you're trying to be Twinkle Daddy-ish. But, like, yeah, put somebody in the t-shirt that looks good. It sells better. That's why you see it on everything from Target site to whatever. These people do analytics. There's a reason it sells better. Okay, that's right. My personal preference is not that, but I'm allowed to have wrong personal preferences, <laughs> and you should do what the you should do what the analytics say. Um, you want to take the next question? Well, actually, this is for me, isn't it? Go hmm. ahead. Go, well, go ahead. Actually, hmm. this is a good question for, for you. I like this. I can't. I actually had a little trouble understanding it. Maybe you know better than I do. I think I think I, I okay, get it. Okay, so um, this is from at Justin three three four one Zach. I tried to support one of your bands by offering to buy extra copies of a seven inch to be randomly put into merch packages from Bad Timing. Was given a long winded answer of thanks, but no thanks. Was trying to be a philanthropist, but threw me. At, but it threw me. Thought so, Jesse. Let let's see if we're on the same page. It seems like just it's. I I think I just missed this. I think Thomas or Emily was probably the one interacting with Justin. But um, this is what I'm getting. Justin was very kind and said, hey, let's just use Knucklepuck as an example. I love Knucklepuck. I think more people should get this 7-inch. I don't want any of the extra copies, but I would be happy to buy them and for you to randomly put them in other people's order. Is that is that what you think it says? That's what it sounds like Justin is saying he was going to do. And 
Justin, what a kind man. Kind man, man Justin. I didn't see any of these tweets from you, but that that is honestly very sweet. Um, to speak for the other people of my company that maybe have answered this. turned them down. Yeah, uh, I would say that customer service sucks, and we do a lot of it. And um, again, while it's very sweet, that some sometimes you have to weigh the opportunity cost of let's slip an extra seven inch in here. It may it may mess with the weighting or the shipping of the shipping profile we have to send. And then a random person will get, uh, let's just say, a Kevin Devine record with a knuckle puck seven inch in it, and they'll email us and say, "Hey, I didn't order this. Did you charge me for this?" Or they'll say, "Hey." I actually didn't want this. I'm going to send it back to you, even though you did this nice thing for me, but I don't want to pay to send it back to you. Can you guys send me five bucks through PayPal so I can then send it back to you? Oh, but also I don't have any packing materials. Oh, or I'm just going to send it. And then they send it and they don't have any proper packing materials. And then that seven inches ruined. Um, So again, a very sweet offer, but there's just a lot of headaches of possibilities. Um, Five, you know, let's just say you bought extra five to be a philanthropist that five might turn into 25 emails and a lot of headaches for the one person that we have doing customer service and mail order. And um, that can suck. But again, thank you. It's really sweet of you. Is that a fair answer, Justin? I, yeah. You know, I think what, what, what's, what really things is he's totally right. And this is the th- thing that does suck sometimes is it's very hard to understand how I know it doesn't sound like much effort, but there's so many things in these infrastructure that make doing mail order easy that the second you have to throw a wrench in it, it's like all the exceptions to the rule are so hard and aggravating that you lose like the time doing one of them. You could have been doing three things that aren't the exception. And that gets really bad when you're a company that's like underwater and orders and growing every day. It's so hard to be able to pivot from that. Yeah, and yeah, running a business is hard. And ultimately, like once you once we have something that's like fluid and working well, you know, it it can be difficult to throw a cog in that. Uh, like for example, um, we've been having a major runaround with USPS lately. Um, we set our vinyl to be picked up by the postman, so you know we'll leave a hundred records in like the foyer of our foyer foyer of our. Foyer, foyer, foyer of our um, of our warehouse, and they're supposed to pick them up, right? So we set a pickup online. We get an email saying that this is confirmed. You will have a pickup tomorrow. And then the postman will confirm that they've picked it up, but they don't pick it up because they're too lazy to. And um, that's put us back a week. That puts us back almost a week on deliveries every time we have a big order uh, or a big, a big release. And I just got off the phone with a nice woman from Oregon today that said, wow, these people are giving the rest of us a bad name. And that was written very nice. But like, again, there's just so many headaches in mail order and customer service. And sometimes it's easier to be lame than it's, than it is to not, you know, business, business can be tough. Yeah. And at the same time, uh, there really should be an easier way to do this. And I think even I, there is, Times back uh, since Man Overboard, we always ran our own uh, merch company, and they still continue to do it uh, since uh, I stopped working with them. Like we really thought about like how we could do a thing like where we handed out like samplers or other bands' merch very regularly into the mail order. We were going to try to even like figure out a consistent system of like how to recommend friends bands by giving away free product to the mail order, whether it was just like a compilation that people could do and like kind of like get into the thing so that they would get to our fans. And we really tried to figure this out. And it's just, it isn't 
very easily. Yeah, and, and it's a bummer because you're ultimately trying to do something good, like you are, Justin, and it just it sometimes just is too hard to work out. Um, we have one more question. You want to take it, Jesse? Yeah. So, as a member of a band with deeply personal lyrics, how do you get past the fear of putting yourself out there towards people you know, especially as I'm a person who only opens up my true feelings to a few select people? And this is from Ben Buchanan. Bukan. How do you want to pronounce that? <laughs> ben at B E N B U C H N A T. I'd say Butchnat. <laughs> there you go. Um. So. This is this is one I deal with a lot in the studio. That's a good question. Yeah, so much of being a musician, especially in these type of genres that we deal in, you know, emo, is about this, and it's it's tough. But you know, what's the great thing is you can always just say you're writing about somebody else if you don't want to do it. And then two, I think it's one of the most you will come to find that it's one of the most rewarding things you could ever do to put out your honest personal feelings. Uh, to the world. People usually will identify with that more than others, and you will get so much rewarding feedback, and not to say it will all be good, because there's always internet trolls. There's always a Ward Franzilla out there. My boy! Uh, you'll be rewarded for doing this, Um, so don't be scared. I know it's scary at first. It was very scary at first for me to put out some feelings. Like, it even... I remember the first time I admitted how depressed I was, as a kid and how suicidal I was, that was scary to do the first time I told the internet that um, because I'm somebody who's seen as this tough record producer monster who yells at people all day. And no, I'm a vulnerable human being who goes through emotional things. And I've been rewarded for that by having great conversations since I did that. And I see it time and time again, as I make the emo records with the bands that this is a rewarding thing. So don't be scared, Ben. You go, girl. Yeah, um, I would also add to that and say, like, as a listener, like those deeply personal things are are powerful to me. As like that, those are the lyrics that you probably connect to as well. Uh, I do think, like Jesse was saying, you can be vague with your subject matter while being very personal at the same time. It's just how you frame stuff, right? Um, so yeah, I think that might be it for this week. Do we have any recommendations? I sure do. Okay. If you listen to this podcast, odds are you love the punk rock. The funniest thing happening in punk rock right now is that website, The Hard Times. Oh, so good, man. Ah, oh, man. They've just taken, like, what The Onion does. And made and, and just and put, done a real job of it. Yeah, like, just turned it into articles about punk culture that are, like, I look forward to the one article they post today every single day. Man, the one about, like, your punk girlfriend for being 15 and now you're 33 and you look her up on Facebook and she's totally normal. I mean, I cried like I haven't cried because like they, they, it was it, as like one of my best friends who I said it said is too real. Can't handle. It's legit go. stuff. Honestly, like a lot of it's like, wow, like that's a real thing. Like you, you, you are being uh, like, it was just so good. Um, and like that, there's this one specific one on like defend pop punk, which was just too like too too real in terms of so in terms good. of like being a, being a part of it. Yeah, <laughs> great website. Well, um, and then my other recommendation is um, to get nerdy. If you're one of those people who cares about how the world works, you are passionate about net neutrality. You care somewhat about politics you you like to know how the world really works 
Um, I think too many people don't know about this guy, Adam Curtis, who's a BBC documentarian, who's consistently made the best documentaries of our time that don't get heard about a lot because he's English and he makes them for BBC and there's not a big marketing budget behind that on like Downton Abbey or whatever. Um, Adam Curtis made these two documentaries that you have to, have to, have to watch. They're probably the most eye-opening documentaries you will ever see that will change your life. Um, the first is called The Century of the Self, and it's a lot about how we came to who we are today and what the decisions in our life are based by and what, what brought our society to what it is today. And then the follow-up to that is one called The Power of Nightmares um, that talks a lot about how advertising has ruined our society. And then he just put out his newest one, which I'm only halfway through, admittedly, but I was loving every minute of it. But I'm a little busy these days, so I can't be watching this. Uh, it's called Bitter Lake, and it just came out this week, I believe. Man, this guy is the best in the business. And um, if you pride yourself on opening your mind and want to watch some really mind-opening documentaries, Adam Curtis, do your Googles. Do your Googles. I would recommend, I really only have one, as, as I talked about in this episode, like, I'm loving Startup so much. It's a really phenomenal podcast. Uh, anyone. It's This week's episode was just yeah, the best. Anyone who likes who is interested in business, but not in like a nerdy way, but like in a, sorry, actually in a nerdy way, not in like a gross way, but in like a really real hyper real way where, where you think like, Oh, someone's talking about business. There's no way it could ever like reflect my life. Trust me. Like it's so real. It's insane. It's, it's phenomenal. Um, it's, it's my favorite podcast, my favorite new podcast of all of last year and this year so far. It's just really phenomenal. Um, also, uh, JTree announced that we signed Sprainer today. That's really exciting. So if you've never heard of the band before, check them out. Their new record that we'll have out this spring or summer is phenomenal. Um, yeah. I saw them live this summer. They were great. Yeah. Or yeah. winter or some, fall. Sometime. I saw them at some point. Sometime. I wasn't sober. They were still yeah, great. Yeah. It helps when he's not sober, let me tell you. Thank you to everyone for listening to Off The Record this week. Head to offtherecord.fm to check out show notes, to leave us any feedback. Jesse can be found at Twitter, at Jesse Cannon. I'm at Z Zarillo, and our podcast is at Off The Record FM. We'll be back next week.